number three of the Bill Michaels Show. Glad you're on board with us uh, on a very, very busy day today. Crazy kind of busy day today. Got a lot going on in the world of uh, in the world of uh, Major League Baseball trades going down and such, and uh, some trades that have not happened as of yet. So, just an FYI. Um, and I, there is no sound sometimes during the commercial break, people. Get over it. People going crazy over on the Bud Light live stream. No sound. Because there isn't any during the commercial break. Um, wanted to let you know that right now, this is, so, so Ben, has there been anything else that's gone down uh, the, during this seg- uh, last couple of segments in which we're talking so much about the Padres and Juan Soto and Josh Bell both being dealt to the Padres? Nothing concrete. The talk is that the deal will still happen. It's just a question of whether Hosmer is dealt somewhere else. Hosmer is not going to go to Washington, but the Soto deal will go through. Okay, so there you go. So the Soto deal will most likely go through, and now we just kind of kind of wait and see. In the meantime, got to talk some NFL as well. The NFL got hammered today via owners. We're going to talk more about that. Mark Schofield, uh, our guy uh, from the NFL Wire, joining us on the hotline right now. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be back with you. Like you said, kind of a, a busy and crazy day in the sports world, both between the MLB trade deadline and now some news from the National Football League. So let, let's start with this because I think this is uh, incredibly interesting. The timing of it is interesting after be, basically being called out yesterday in the decision for Deshaun Watson saying, hey, you don't police your own. Why should we police this player any more stringently than what you would do to an owner? And then today, the Dolphins and their owner, Stephen Ross, get hammered. So let's start there and give me your thoughts on all of this. The Watson decision, and then what happened to today? Yeah, and it's I almost think you need to look at the two in tandem because it's interesting to know that Watson's current six-game suspension runs through October 16th. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins in this investigation and the discipline just imposed by the NFL in the past hour or so, he is now suspended through October 17th, one more day. And I think that's Mm -hmm. notable because if you look at Judge Robinson's 16-page decision, she made note that while she agreed basically with the factual findings presented by the NFL, that Watson engaged in sexual assault, that the behavior put the well-being of others at risk and threatened the integrity of the NFL. She found those three sort of violations of the personal conduct policy. She then in her decision on the proposed discipline noted that what the league was seeking to do in terms of an indefinite suspension was unprecedented. She walked through basically the history of the NFL imposing discipline. And I think what the league has done by suspending owner Stephen Ross for one more day than Watson, it's almost in a sense given them a foundational block to which they can now rely on in terms of turning around and appealing the Watson decision. They can say, no, look, we just you know, dropped a much longer suspension on a league owner for violation of the integrity of the game. And as Judge Robinson found in her decision with respect to Watson, his conduct threatened the integrity of the game. So this potential suspension for Watson that we were seeking of an indefinite period, it's no longer really unprecedented. So I think while they're two separate instances, we kind of have to look at them together because this might be a a sort of a nod to what the NFL is planning to do 
with respect to the Watson decision, which they can appeal, and the deadline as it stands right now is Thursday, although that can be extended by mutual agreement of all parties. Now, for those that don't understand, this decision was handed down by an independent arbiter, which was collectively bargained between the league and the Players Association. However, it can then be appealed, the NFL can appeal it to Roger Goodell who then has the final decision in all of this, which would then, we believe, lead to the Players Association heading out to a federal court or trying to find a favorable judge to stop it, to, to present an injunction, to say, okay, let's try to have this heard all over again. Uh, what do you think happens to Deshaun Watson? by the Because t- this could be months of this thing draw, drawing out. So what happens to Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns in the meantime? I mean, as it stands right now, under the CBA, because it is a six-game suspension, he's still cleared to practice with the team, you know, because once the regular season hits, then he would have to stay away from the facility. But under the CBA, any suspension for longer than, I'm not sure the exact cutoff if it's 10 games or longer. I think it's 10 games. But any suspension shorter than that, you can still practice during training camp. So he can still practice, provided the NFL does not appeal. Now, the appeal process, Again, it could go to Commissioner Goodell and he could decide himself or he could designate somebody to hear the appeal. And then if that does happen in the NFL, whether it's Goodell himself or somebody else imposes a longer suspension, then that triggers, you know, that will have exhausted what we call the administrative remedies. You know, I'm sort of putting my lawyer hat back on here. I did practice some labor and employment back in the day. That would exhaust Watson's civil, uh, excuse me, administrative remedies administrative practices under the CBA, then it could go to court. You know, and if it goes to federal court, you would imagine that the first thing that Watson and his legal team would see would be sort of an injunction, stay in the imposition of any discipline, which could theoretically free up Watson to play week one. Now, there's a lot of ifs there, I understand. It all would have to depend on whether the NFL decides to appeal this to begin with, as we just sort of walk through maybe what's happened in the past hour or so is, again, a nod to their decision to perhaps appeal the Watson situation. But as it is right now, Watson can practice with the team. Now, Kevin Stefanski has said that, look, you know, we have a plan to handle practice reps. Jacoby Brissett, he's our backup. Our plan is, you know, Deshaun Watson cannot play. It will be Jacoby Brissett to get starts. Six-game suspension. That would end for week six. He would be back for week seven against the Baltimore Ravens. But right now, he's cleared up practice under the CBA. So let's get into some nuts and bolts regarding the NFL. And uh, we saw uh, today Patrick Mahomes goes down, had somewhat of an ankle injury, got stepped on by an offensive lineman. We saw the center for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers go down with injury, uh, season ending. Obviously, we're waiting for some guys in the in the Packers organization to come back from injury. Uh, injuries have kind of, you know, while they're not as prevalent, they've kind of played a role so far in the early coverage uh, and also the Cowboys losing weapons, early coverage of training camp so far, hasn't it? You know, it certainly has. And this is, you know, one of the downsides. We're all excited to have football back, and it's great to see clips from training camp. And, you know, we're starting to hear reports of players sort of separating themselves you know, at rosters around the league. But like you said, we're also getting reports, guys getting dinged up. Ryan Jensen, we're still awaiting final word, the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a knee injury. You know, you mentioned Mahomes, James Washington, the Cowboys wide receiver with an injury. One of the, I think it was Jordan Poyer, safety for the Bills with an elbow just today in the past hour or so. And so players are starting to get dinged up. And, you know, the NFL has done some things to try to eliminate injuries in training camp, reducing the time the pads are on. 
players are now using those guardian caps. What we've seen is sort of, you know, extra shell on the helmet. You know, center uh, Jason Kelsey put some bubble wrap on top of his the other day, which was kind of funny to see. But, you know, the NFL is trying to minimize the injuries, but you can't avoid it. You know, this is, you know, this is a collision sport, let alone a contact sport. And once you put pads on and try to practice full, full go, players are going to get dinged up. And, you know, hopefully, you know, the injuries are kept to a minimum, but we will continue to see injuries once the pads are now on. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, in the meantime, they've got their own issues with the offensive line. We were talking about this uh, all week so far anyway, and last week as well. When you look at no Bakhtiari right now, that's a little bit concerning. Elton Jenkins, even though he's on the fast track to come back, they still are probably going to start without their two tackles to start the season. You could be relying on upon a rookie. As much as we talk about the improvement of the defense, it could come down to whether or not the offensive line is able to protect Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, in, in many cases, Bill, you know, as far as the, the NFL goes or the game of football itself, it all starts with the offensive line. It starts with the guys up front, you know, and if you cannot consistently protect the quarterback, even one as talented as Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have your share of struggles. I and mean, you're exactly right. You know, the defense is much improved, and, and there's a lot of expectations around the Green Bay Packers that, look, this could be one of the NFC's best defenses. It could be one of the, one of the league's best defenses. But if you're struggling to put points on the board, you know, it's going to make it tough on you to win football games consistently. And, you know, what you also remember that, look, as, as good as this defense might be, the league is constructed for teams to put points on the board. I mean, this is a passing dominated league. This is an offense dominated league. Good defenses are the ones that you know, might be able to hold teams to say 17 points a game. You know, that's kind of the world we're living in. And so, yeah, if, if the offensive line, you cannot protect Aaron Rodgers. It could pose a problem for this team. Now, hopefully guys get back. And look, Aaron Rodgers is still a very mobile quarterback in terms of creating space with his feet, creating space with his footwork in the pocket. And with his quick release and arm talent, he can avoid pressure in a number of different ways. But if they struggle to protect him consistently, that is going to start to mount up. The, the, the only reason I bring up the offensive line, and people are quick to say, well, he's going to roll out, he's going to be on the move, it's going to be Matt LaFleur, it's going to be Rodgers. I also remember watching them in that game against San Francisco when the offensive line got some of its pieces back, like Billy Turner and company, and they couldn't keep the pass rush away from Aaron Rodgers. We saw what happened after A.J. Dillon went down, and that offense didn't do anything after the fact. So for people to say it's not concerning this early, if you know you're not going to be starting the season with your two starting tackles, you could be running a rookie out there, you're going to be moving guys around, that has to at least raise a little bit of an alarm bell, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and you're right. You know, there are things you can do schematically. You can move the pocket. You can change the launch point for the quarterback, rollouts, sprint outs, half rolls, things like that. But eventually, if you've got defenses, you know, defensive fronts like San Francisco in that game, a very talented defensive front, like some of the other defensive fronts that the Packers are going to see on their schedule this year, if you've got more than two or three guys that can get after the quarterback, you can move the pocket around as much as you want it's not going to matter. They're going to get home. They're going to create pressure. Quarterback might have to still extend the play with his legs, even though the pockets moved. And so, you know, if you're talking about going out and you talk to your tackles to start the season, that's tough for any team, even one with Aaron Rodgers, to try and overcome. 
Let me ask you, by the way, we're talking with Mark Schofield, NFL Wire, at Mark Schofield over on Twitter. You can find his stuff over there. So let me ask you, when it comes to the rest of the division, it seems to be at least there's this quiet confidence coming out of Minnesota. That new regime, breath of fresh air, Kirk Cousins, he was on his way to having kind of MVP numbers through three quarters of the season last year before the wheels kind of fell off. Like, they've got a couple of pieces they put in place, a better defense. They feel they're ready to go. How close do you think Minnesota is to the Green Bay Packers? You know, I I understand that there's sort of excitement, like you said, the sort of quiet confidence coming out of Minnesota, you know, about how they could be a sneaky team to beat in the division and, you know, we're close to the Packers and things like that. But sitting here right now, I don't see it. And part of it is just sort of, you know, when you look at Kirk Cousins, and yes, he's put up efficient, sometimes borderline elite type numbers over his career. So much of it is predicated upon, you know, the help of, you know, play action and other schematic components to that offense that put him in a position to be successful. Now, certainly, you know, with the incoming offensive mind and head coach and some of the coaching staff around him, you'd expect that to continue given, you know, they're coming off of the sort of McVay tree and you expect what schematically to be very helpful and beneficial to Kirk Cousins. But I'm in very much of a trust but verify mode when it comes to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I understand the expectations. But until I really see them sustain success over the course of six, eight, ten games, I'm not really a believer in you know, how that they're that close to the Green Bay Packers. And I think, you know, we, we talked about some of the concerns about the Packers in their offensive line, but when you look at what they can do defensively, I think they'll find ways to match up well against that Vikings offense. And so I think, you know, until I really see it from Cousins in this new, new regime, I'm not buying in just yet. Uh, real quick before I let you go, and I know people are kind of hitting us up again about all this different stuff going on with uh, with uh, Stephen Ross, the owner of the uh, Dolphins. What do you think is going to happen, if anything, to Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders? Obviously, there's been rumors about Haslam going to his head coach years ago with the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns, and obviously they had to have their own issues with Deshaun Watson. What do you think, though, happens with Daniel Snyder by the time it's all said and done? I mean, it does seem, Bill, like there's, you know, I don't want to say it's a groundswell of momentum behind, you know, the league sort of moving Daniel Snyder out, you know, but it does seem like in some of the reports that's come out, there's been sort of informal straw polls among owners about how much support Snyder still has amongst the group of owners. He testified in a closed door deposition last week in front of a House sort of subcommittee. Um, it's investigated into the, the allegations of workplace, the workplace environment in Washington. We haven't heard what's come out of that yet. And now it was just sort of an informal interview. It wasn't under oath in front of, you know, the, the cameras. But it seems like there's a movement towards getting Snyder sort of out of Washington. And I will say, somebody coming to you from the D.C. area, like amongst the fan base, there is that groundwell of support. There are many in this fan base that really want to see Daniel Snyder no longer associated with his team. I don't know if we see it this year or next year, but it seems like we're slowly moving in that direction. No doubt. Mark, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for coming on the program, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Sounds great, Bill. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, pal. There you go. NFLWire.com. That's where you can read his stuff. Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D, at Mark Schofield. Over on Twitter, get his stuff there. Just a wealth of information. But it looks like the league has given Stephen Ross one additional day to the suspension of uh, Deshaun Watson for his acts within the tampering 
uh, phase of the collective bargaining agreement. Also fined the Dolphins $2 million and a first-round draft choice this upcoming draft and a third-round draft choice in 2024. Stephen Ross suspended, not able to come back until after October 17th. Uh, of this season and his underling there uh, pretty much out of any league meeting for the remainder of the year. So uh, the uh, in case you missed it, because we're following so much of the uh, Major League Baseball story and the trade stories, and I do want to update you on that when we come back, but uh, there's some NFL news today as well. So a lot of stuff circulating and uh, and happening. So let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Pella Windows and Doors, go to PellaWI.com. That's first and foremost, PellaWI.com. And check out what they have to offer, PellaWI.com. And uh, they have got uh, so much good stuff, so much good stuff, that uh, you don't want to miss out because they've got great financing going on right now. They have got uh, the uh, deals on the windows with money off, both the slider windows and just your regular windows and entry doors. So don't forget about that. Not to mention the fact that Pella has the best quality. They add the most value for your buck to your home. They uh, guarantee the installation. They warranty it. They warranty the windows. They come out. They custom measure. They custom manufacture, custom assemble, custom install. They do it all for you. They can come out with uh, completely free to come out and give you a quote, take some measurements, look at the exterior, the interior of your home, match it all up, get it right. This is what Pella does. It's, it's the attention to detail. It's unlike no other. So go to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. Again, PellaWI.com. Hang in there with them. And uh, I'm telling you, because I know the cold weather, eventually it sucks, but it's going to get here. I, I know it and you know it. And you want to make sure that your house is sealed up and economical. Great way to do it, simply by going to PellaWI.com. Don't forget, coming to the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk some more baseball, Brewers baseball. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 is going to join us, and we're going to get you updated as to what's going on with Juan Soto, Josh Bell, the San Diego Padres, everything happening right now because there's been some additional breaking news in this as well. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Just saw yet another picture from uh, from the completion of a travel cover for a fishing boat. Uh, it's from our buddy uh, Dwayne at Dwayne's Cover It All, and uh, the fact that his client is posting it and saying how great it is over on Facebook—it's just awesome. Uh, and I've been telling you for a while, Wisconsin's best canvas upholstery boat cover provider. He, he's had uh, companies in Illinois, down in Chicago, send him thousands of office chairs and f- pieces of furniture to redo, to save them money in today's day and age rather than going out and buying all new. Uh, Just follow him on Facebook. Get a good look at what he does. Go to Dwayne, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. That's Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. Or uh, get a hold of him, 715-870-2119, 715-870-2119. That's Dwayne's Cover It All, the best by far. So from what I understand, I'm sitting here watching all of this unfold as we do in today's day and age uh, via Twitter. And uh, apparently, Eric Hosmer of the San Diego Padres has declined to accept the trade to the Washington Nationals. He has a no-trade clause. 
So that means that Juan Soto will still be going to the Padres, but Josh Bell, at least the way I'm understanding this, will remain out on the market. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on all of this, Ben. I have not seen that part about Bell. My indication from Bob Nightingale, Jeff Passan, all of the guys, is that the deal is done and it does not include Hosmer. Mark Feinstein also just tweeted that Hosmer rejected the the, uh, trade to Washington and the Padres now have less than five hours to figure out what to do with him. He is owed $39 million from 2023 to 25. So the deal with okay. Bell and Soto is still happening. It's still happening regardless of Eric Hosmer and what he has to say about it then. So there you go. That's it. Um, the only other note also, Feinstein put out that with Soto going to San Diego, the Dodgers are now looking at Ian Happ and David Robertson from the Cubs. Uh, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of competition there. The Mets are also said to be interested in Robertson and Wilson Contreras. From and the don't forget, the Brewers made the deal yesterday to send Josh Hader. Uh, and they also picked up Matt Bush from the Rangers um, and then sent the infielder Mark Mathias to Texas. So off he goes. But Matt Bush, who throws 97, had a couple of uh, Tommy John surgeries, has had his brush with the law as well. As we all know, he is now a Milwaukee Brewer, he should be in uniform tonight in Pittsburgh. So the Brewers are going to look a little different out there in that bullpen this evening. But uh, a lot of flurry right now. And uh, as we had talked about, there was, and Ken Rosenthal said, enormous pressure on Hosmer to approve the deal. He did not. Uh, but with Hosmer uh, saying no, he is also represented by Scott Boris, as we all know. Soto and Bell are as well. And uh, so Hosmer not going to get the financial compensation that he would have liked to go to Washington. So he declined the deal, but the deal is still going through. Soto and Bell, as of right now, are still going to end up traded to the San Diego Padres. The Padres just trying to figure out the additional compensation in that deal. So, Uh-oh. What's that? I have some breaking news. It actually does not relate to the MLB. The bots are back on the live stream. Are they? Uh-oh. Oh, how about that? Yeah, they are. Didn't even see it. Didn't even catch it. The bots are back. Yeah, well, we'll get rid of the get rid of the bots real quick. You know, it's it's funny because every now and then I get weird stuff that follows me over on the Facebook fan page. So when I see that pop up, I usually think to myself, okay, the bots are usually not far behind. And sure enough, the bots, the bots have shown up. The porn bots. The porn bots today? Yeah, the porn bots today. We need to develop some anti-porn department of the Bill Michaels show. Yeah, we need the anti-bot department. It's not a lot of them. It's just a couple of them. But, you know, is what it is. (laughs) And what usually sucks is, is that we get into a rotation where they just come fast and furious, pardon the pun. And uh, and we can't we we you know you you can't stop you got to really pay attention throughout the day because you can't stop them, they just they just keep kind of you know happening over and over and over again, and then you'll go two weeks without them, and all of a sudden the porn bots show back up, but did not realize the porn bots had shown back up. Uh, by the way, uh, Scaffoid zero zero double O says uh, Bill Scott here from Dallas, Texas. Listen to your show driving to Memphis, Tennessee, both Friday and yesterday. Thank God for your show. Because I didn't have to listen to my seventy-three-year-old dad's uh, singing, uh, my dad singing Elvis songs. Oh, that's yeah. Unless dad's got a good set of pipes on him, that's never good. Just, just so you know. 
Uh, let's do this. I do want to break because we're going to, when we come back, we're going to talk with uh, Kevin Holden from CBS 58. I want to get his perspective on what the Brewers are doing and, uh, and get his thoughts. Money cut, are they still competitive or are they going for it? Because I want to get into all of that when we come back. If you're a Brewers fan, you're going to want to listen. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there. New Male Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders as well. And don't forget, they have ED treatments, 98% success rate. How about if you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I might want to go in a different direction because I'm not feeling real good. I'm kind of moody. I'm kind of up and down. I'm a little bit sluggish, but I'm over the age of 30. But I'm not in my older years yet. Could be just low T creeping in on you a little bit. If you're over the age of 30, go get your numbers checked, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Or you put on weight and you're just not feeling right and you don't have the ability to get out and do a ton of exercise, so you just want to eat right, be healthy, vitamins, supplements, all that kind of stuff. They can help you out with that as well. But you can't do anything if you don't call. 414-455-4451. 414-455-4451. By the way, a buddy of mine, I'm not going to say who, but he got a hold of me. He said, hey, who's that company? And I said, Newmail. And he went, oh, that's not going to work. Then I said, why is that? He said, because my wife is struggling right now. She had the baby. She's 30-plus years old, by the way. Had the baby, having trouble getting rid of the weight, needed something to jumpstart her. And I said, wait a minute. They've got new femme now in the same building. Really? Yeah. Called him, got the wife in. She's doing great. She feels energized. It's just a new direction, a new plan. Again, call 414 for you or maybe even the wife or girlfriend. 414 414- Four five five four four five one. Again, four one four four five five four four five one. We're talking Brewers baseball coming up next. Kevin Holden, CBS fifty eight. Right after this, covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at TheNiceAsh.com, A-S-H, TheNiceAsh.com, 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. And you will find me down there at some point in the next two days because I'm going to swing by and grab some cigars as we get ready to head out to uh, Sturgis, South Dakota. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to stop into the Deadwood Tobacco Company out in Deadwood, but I'm still taking some of my favorites with me. Oh, you better believe it. Can't wait. Head down to TheNiceAsh.com. This weekend, they got uh, entertainment going on. So if you're going to go down there before, maybe after the Wisconsin State Fair, stop in. Got some bands and such. Always catch some Brewers games there. Good stuff there. It appears like the deal is still getting done, by the way. Jeff Passan reporting that the package going back to Washington for Juan Soto and Josh Bell is a go. The lefty, Mackenzie Gore, the uh, outfielder, Robert Hassel, uh, shortstop, C.J. Abrams, outfielder, James Woods, or James Wood, uh, the right-hander, Jarlin Susana, and one more major leaguer. And uh, that's the only holdup right now uh, to the agreed-upon deal. Uh, so they're changing after Hosmer declined. They're changing their methodology, uh, getting Hosmer out of the deal and adding in a new player. And then Juan Soto and Josh Bell appear to be heading off to uh, to San Diego. So let's talk about it with Kevin Holden, CBS 58, now joining us on the hotline. Kevin, man, what a day right now. It's been crazy. And obviously, let's start with the Milwaukee Brewers and your thoughts on when they traded away Josh Hader, 
Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about not going back to a rebuild and being competitive, but did this make the team better? It's, I mean, I don't know if it makes it better. It definitely does not in the short term, Bill, but uh, it's it's one of those things where it's a, it's a system of baseball kind of thing. I mean, the Brewers knew that after next season was over, they that Josh Hader was going to be gone, and they basically cashed in at what they thought was the highest point of value of, of return for him. But I, I don't that that's not the same thing as making the team better. I mean, you do you do maximize you know what you're getting back. You got a couple of good prospects in that deal, and uh, you know a couple of pitchers that maybe maybe can help out this year. But no, it's an it's an angsty kind of day because it's it's the kind of day that remind you that no matter how much you come out to support the Brewers, no matter how much the turnstiles go, no matter how many jersey sales, tickets sales, that kind of thing, the Brewers are still in a small market territory. The TV deal and the way baseball does their money makes it where the Brewers are going to have to do this with, with certain positions. And I honestly, I, I wish that this could have happened in the offseason because I think Peter could help the Brewers in a quest to win this year but again max value is the is the name of the game right now and they at least got that so okay they get the max value now they also pick up matt bush along the way we know that the bullpen is going to look different obviously when they take the field tonight in, in pittsburgh uh do you think they're done because the question is do they pick up another bat I don't know about another bat. I, it, there's a possibility. I would think that Ramon Laureano is a, a guy from Oakland that uh, they could still have their eyes on. I, I think he would be a, a good addition, although I know they did pick up a speedy center fielder in that trade uh, with Hayter yesterday. But uh, I, I still think they might go that direction. I wouldn't bet on that necessarily. I still think David Stearns, every year, you can count on him picking up some reliever from somewhere uh, just to bolster that bullpen, get it one more arm. So I think I don't think they're done, but I think that's the piece he'll look for is maybe one more reliever, uh, somebody that's out there that he doesn't have to pay a lot for that can help him out in the next few months. And that that might help offset Hater a little bit. You're not going to replace Hater per se, but if you bring in Taylor Rogers in that trade and one more reliever in a separate deal and make the make it stronger in numbers, I think maybe that could help a bit. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, the way you've got Hunter Renfro hitting the ball right now, and then Colton Wong, who's starting to come on, if by chance they can, uh, not to think that Hunter Renfro is going to keep up this pace, but if by chance they can continue to hit the baseball and Christian Yelich continues to lead off and be formidable, this team, may, with Colton Wong starting to hit the ball and Renfro hitting the ball, this team starts to look a whole lot different, doesn't it? It does. I mean, honestly, offensively, maybe this was just a matter of, of changing something in-house, changing an approach, changing a philosophy to, to bring them to a better offense. And and remember, they don't have to have the best offense in the league because they have one of the best uh, starting pitching staffs in baseball. So that, that's one thing that does help. All they have to be is, is pretty good offensively to compete. And uh, Renfro, to me, feels like a four-hitter, looks like a four-hitter, uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he settles into that spot as a four-hitter. I know Andrew McCutcheon has spent time in that four-hole, but uh, Hunter Renfro feels like a heart-of-the-offense kind of guy. That helps out a little bit. I'm at the point where I don't, I really don't expect anything different from Christian Yelich than what he's giving at this point. I think if there's some fundamental change that happens in him, it's, it's in another season, maybe with an off-season to to work on things but i just don't i don't see it happening at this point in season so someone else will have to be the improvers 
to make the offense good. And if it's Renfro and it's Colton Wong, that's two good bats. It's a righty and a lefty, too, so Council can spread them out in the order, which is nice. Yeah, I, I I like the fact that if you got Hunter Renfro hitting, obviously Rowdy Telez is always a big threat. Christian Yelich, if Colton Wong starts to hit and hit consistently, would you consider moving him back into that leadoff spot? Oh, a thousand percent. I, I think, and I mean, the problem there is what do you do with Yelich if that's the case? Does he become the two hitter? And maybe that's not a, a terrible. No, I, I love the idea of Colton Wong as a, you know, a good glove second baseman who, who hits well, gets on base and bats leadoff. I think that's healthy for the Brewers. That's, that's a good, healthy beginning to the lineup. Get guys on and, you know, the, the Yelichs of the world, you know, can, can take it from there and drive them in. I, I think that's fantastic if that takes place. I think the Brewers, uh, they, they, putting Yelich in the, in the one hole takes a little pressure off of him to try to hit 35, 40 homers. You know, he's not going to be the, the MVP Yelich. He doesn't have to be out of the one hole. But uh, I think he's, he's settled into at least enough of a groove that if you found a serviceable one, a guy who could work in that one hole like Colton Wong, that you could move Yelich down a little bit, and he could be, you know, a productive major leaguer. That's what Yelich is right now. He's, he's a, a, a pretty good major leaguer. That's, you know, contract aside, he does help the team. He's not a superstar, but he, he is helping. So I'm going to go to you and ask you to talk me off the ledge here. With San Diego going for it, we know that the Dodgers have money to burn and they can go out and find themselves damn near anybody. We know the Mets are a good baseball team, even though DeGrom is going to make one more minor league start, even though he was penciled in to start the majors. They're going to make him uh, do one more minor league start and they're going to get healthier. Give me the reasons why the Brewers should be a team to be feared going into the postseason. If they're healthy in the starting rotation, then I don't know if there's anyone who's better than Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, and whatever you slot in behind them as a four in the playoffs. They, there may be teams like the Dodgers that'll be as good in the rotation, but I don't think anyone's better. I think the Brewers have a starting pitching advantage over every team they'll play the rest of the way, uh, as long as they're healthy. As long as everybody's healthy, they have that to start with. I don't know if that's <laughs> enough to, to, to get people off the ledge because – Man, I, I, I grew up watching an Atlanta Braves team that had Hall of Fame-level pitching, and they would lose in the playoffs every year because their offense would get stymied by somebody else's good pitching. So I, I hope that's not where the Brewers are headed, but that is where it starts. The Brewers need to find a way to you know, scratch and manufacture a run here and a run there and, and put it in the hands of Burns and Woodruff and, and Peralta and whoever else in that rotation. That is that's the bread and butter right now. They, they've got to ride that as much as they can the rest of the way. Uh, tell me about Peralta. I know that uh, he's, he's, he's worked a little bit. He's made a rehab start. So give me your thoughts on Peralta about the timing of when you think he's going to be back. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's with the team, and they were talking about uh, having him pitch in this uh, Pittsburgh series that's uh, starting today. Uh, that's really, really good news, to be honest. I mean, you're talking – do you think it happens, or do you think they wait? Uh, because I, I, man, I, I, I know he's they're happy about his progress, but do you think he throws this week? Yeah, I, I think it's not a bad idea. I really do. I, I think the Brewers have got to figure out, and I think before September they've got to figure out what they have there. I mean, you know what Freddie Peralta is in full health. You know that uh, that he's a dominant pitcher if he's if he's completely right. I just don't know if he's going to be completely right, and they have to figure that out now. I mean. If you want to talk competitive advantage, I'd do it against Pittsburgh because that's a team that the Brewers have a, a better chance to beat even if Peralta's not at his best. 
but uh, council may want to wait a couple of days and wait for the weekend series for that. Uh, that I could understand, but uh, yeah, I, for me, Peralta needs to, if he's ready, he needs to slot in and go because on September 1, I want to write in exactly how that rotation looks, exactly what the usage is going to be for all these guys in October. You want that done, I, I think, a good three or four weeks in advance if you can. Real quick, give me your thoughts on Quintana going over to the Cardinals because he's been kind of a, a Brewers killer throughout the years. Yeah, that, <laughs> there were a couple of choice words that came out of my mouth yesterday. One, one when Hader was gone and I, and I was screaming at Major League Baseball for the system, and the other with Quintana because, man, he's been, he's been tough on the Brewers through the years. And, of course, a guy that's a Brewers killer ends up on the Cardinals. Of course he does. And by the way, I don't think the Cardinals are done. Uh, I think uh, they, they're going to want somebody else, maybe Carlos Rodon from the Giants or somebody. I, I think you're going to hear the Cardinals make noise today. Always great to talk, my friend. Go enjoy yourself. I'm sure it's a busy time of day with everything going on, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Yeah, appreciate it, Bill. Yeah, the chiropractor got me where I'm at least walking straight, so I, I got some errands to do before my body kinks back up again. Yep, yeah, I'm telling you, I completely understand where you're at, buddy. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bill. All right, pal, talk to you. There you go. That's Kevin Holden, CBS 58, joining us for a couple of minutes uh, over on the uh, over on the hotline. Always great to get him on the air with us and kind of pick his brain, get his thoughts on all of this stuff. But uh, that being said, uh, the Brewers, and again, it depends on what you read and who you read. It, it's, you know, I've got some people over, uh, Brett, Brett over on the Bud Light live stream says, CBS says the Brewers got the poor trade for Hater. Some say they got a haul. They got some wild cards that if they pan out, they could be really, really good. Others say that uh, they did not get better. As a, as a division leader down the stretch, they did not get better. They merely got rid of money and the possibility of more money down the road. And that's never a good thing, you know, especially when you're trying to not only win yourself the, the division, but you're trying to, trying to win a National League pennant. You're trying to move on to a World Series. At least that's what you're preaching to your fans. So... Uh, basically, all you did was get rid of some money when maybe you might have gotten more in the long run in the off season. Had uh, another team come calling, who knows? But uh, but I agree. I, I I think it was a move just to get rid of money. If you really believe that this team got dramatically better, I, I other than the long shot uh, that is some of the prospects, I I don't specifically know where Lamette. Yeah, I mean, good stuff from a while ago. So. If you can bring that back and get it consistent, oh, hell yes, you probably ended up winning this deal. But uh, yeah, not not, uh, not 100% sure of all of that as of just yet. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery, great people up in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. That's why they call it the Forgotten Fire. Because remember, the same day that happened was the same day as the Chicago Fire. So everybody forgot about Peshtigo, Wisconsin, which had more acreage, more buildings, more lives lost because of the giant fire. It's called Forgotten Fire Winery, paying homage to uh, to Peshtigo, Wisconsin. But it's brewed right here. In, I shouldn't say brewed. It's, it's, it's made right here in Wisconsin. The winery is. And uh, the wines are from Wisconsin. They're made by Wisconsin people, and they believe in fun in a bottle. Now, they've won awards, and they're proud of that, but they just want you to enjoy what it is they put in the bottle. That's Forgotten Fire Winery. We'll look for it over at your grocery stores, liquor stores, wine stores, and ask for it by name. And if they don't have it, say, can you get it? I want to try it. Go to the website. See everything they have to offer. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. That's ForgottenFireWinery.com. More of the Bill Michael Show next. 
Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held practice on the Ray Nitschke field, and once again, the defense came up with some big plays. Backup safety Vernon Scott, who struggled with a hamstring injury last year, came up with a pick six off Jordan Love, preventing a touchdown. I was there, and I just made it, just picked it, and made the play that you know that I know I can make the big play in the game. So I just uh, we were at, we happened to be in quarters, and he just ran across it, and I just jumped it, used my instincts, uh, used. I grabbed my keys and just made the play. The offense missing three key players, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and tight end Robert Tunyon, all rehabbing torn ACLs. Tunyon was asked if there's days he wonders if he'll ever get back on the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, you still have those days, like, here and there because, like, you know, you're still not on the field. But I think that's just, like, the flow of life. You know, had it at the beginning, had it in the middle, had it recently. I think it's just, you know, part of it. And I think it just tests your mental and emotions. Like, I think that's just going to make me stronger in the end and make me a different player mentally as well. So I'm kind of excited that I reached those points and those depths of, you know, darkness. New offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich is installing the playbook. Matt LaFleur asked if there's a lot of new plays being added. Nothing drastic. Certainly every year you, you make tweaks and you study other teams around the league and you, you tend to maybe copy some of the stuff that teams are having success with and, and implement some of those things if they fit within your system. Now tomorrow the team will have a walkthrough that's closed to the public. Are they getting close to completing the install of the playbook? I would say that we'll be pretty much through after this week. The majority of the stuff would be in. I would say probably 90%. That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Bean, who says, Brewers not getting better, they're not getting worse. They're just treading water and getting rid of money. I applaud David Stearns for making a very hard decision. Mark Antanasio has a certain budget you have to stick to. As a small market team, we understand the recourses with that. Uh, appreciate that. Alex says, uh, the organization's never going to be on the doorstep. Easier to be more profitable and keep people hanging around and hoping than really uh, than actually delivering on the promise to win a championship. Nothing's going to change until people stop going to games, which is never going to happen. That's from Alex. Uh, Mark says, I'm kind of you know, hoping that the Brewers actually make at least one more deal to give us some more hope, but hope and catching the Padres are two different things. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, you've got uh, Adam McAlvey tweeting out a little while ago, big pickup for the Brewers. Freddie Peralta rejoins the starting rotation tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So we'll see what uh, happens there. Brewers probables for this week's game and the series at PNC Park tonight. You got Corbin Burns going to the hill tomorrow, Freddie Peralta, and then Thursday, Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Peralta is going to be limited after throwing 52 pitches in his last rehab start. But all the reports that his stuff was really, really good. So it looks like Freddie Peralta, just as we got done talking with, uh, with Kevin Holden from CBS 58, wasn't sure how long they were going to keep him still out. They've made the decision that he is now coming back. So good stuff there for the Milwaukee Brewers as they bring back Freddie Peralta. And I, I got to admit, this is one of those happy things where 
Uh, you don't expect anything, and then when it happens, you get more joy. Because when he went down with that shoulder strain, I thought, oh, boy, this is probably going to be the season ender. But to get him back, that's great news. We got another hour yet to go. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers, uh, now a part of our uh, growing group of sponsors that are going to be helping us out uh, via the motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 4th. Love Andy Kane and all that they do in West Bend, Wisconsin. If you're looking for great Hearts on Fire diamonds or to shop like a guy, buy like a guy, check out Kane and Kane Jewelers. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. Another hour of the Bill Michaels Show coming up right after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 